Hello and welcome to Snakes and Ladders, an honest podcast about career ups and downs and the tips and tricks we've picked up along the way. You're hosted today by two London-based execs, myself, Pete Conroy, and you, Julian Armstrong. Hello. G'day, mate. How are you doing? Good to see you again. Thank you, you too. Coming up on today's show, artificial intelligence. It's in the news, it's being debated in parliament, but is it being talked about at work? And later, we answer your workplace conundrums. But first, Mr. Julian Lewis Armstrong III. How are you, mate? Not too bad, buddy. Don't know how you've managed to add more names to my uh, my name on the intro. Just go with it, mate. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm good. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm all right. Bloody tired. Uh, autumn is officially upon us, I think. Mm. Days are definitely getting shorter. Yeah, for sure. Sapping yeah. my energy, I think, as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. How was your week? Pretty good. Um, pretty manic. I think we're getting to the back end of the year, and it's... Uh, Probably a lot of companies in the same place, just a mad rush to try and hit those targets. Christmas is looming. Yeah, that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's quite quite, um, quite intense. We're going into that kind of period where we're, we're, we're sort of um, discussing salary reviews. Mm-hmm. So um, that's always a fun time of the year. Yeah. You know, yep. pushing for what people deserve and having honest conversations. I'm sure we're going to have another... Discussion about that one, I think, next week. Yeah, I think that's um, next week's topic, bonuses yeah. and salaries. Yeah, so there's lots of that going on. Um, Can I ask, as an expat, someone who's, like, moved here and been through the same experience, where's your head at with, like, the way the year's structured? Because I'm still – I think this year is the first time I feel like I'm I'm in British, like, year structure. But do you still sometimes be like, oh, it's the end of the year, like, things are winding down, when in reality they're just kicking off? mm I think the seasons are like massively impactful here. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a tough one, man. Like we, we COVID's been weird in terms of yeah. like how you get a measure on what's normal and what's normal. Yeah. Um, we're obviously out of that now, but um, we try and do a lot of travel back to Australia to break up the yeah the winter. So yeah, a lot of people over here have like big summer holidays, and that's that's cool. But I'd want to get the hell out of here during da- the darkness times. So yeah, that I sort of do it a little bit reversed. So same do I, so do I. Like I'm going to Australia for Christmas. Yeah, and I was just in Singapore a couple of weeks ago. So like for me, yeah, I don't know why you'd want to be here during the dark. People yeah. are, people seem to really like bury their heads and get working like during winter. Yeah, I find that weird. It's depressing. Yeah, same. <laughs> I yeah. I don't mind working during summer anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, today's show, we're talking about AI. So uh, we'll get stuck into that after the break. Yeah. Cool, Alrighty. Um, well, this week, leaders from around the world joined the AI Safety Summit hosted by the UK to discuss the potential opportunities and threat posed by AI. Um, considered a formative tool and the way of the future we're seeing AI being integrated into every facet of our daily lives. Workplace tools and systems are no exception, but with the pace of this technological development, we are being pushed into a space that we're not well equipped to deal with. Yeah, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting concept. So I personally, I don't know about you, I use AI all the time. Mm. So um, 
a lot of what I do in my current role is generative. So I, I'm creating content. Mm. Um, and obviously, um, a lot of that content, like when I create it with AI, it's not just out and I use it sort of thing. Yeah. But I do use it quite a lot. I think it's a really good tool. Um, but what are your thoughts? Like, what are you... We'll get into some uh, <laughs> brutal admissions later, I'm sure, about how I've used it potentially yeah. slightly immorally. um but yeah look uh ai look to me it's an augmentation of people's work life like um i thought you know that there's obviously been uh actors and writers going on strike in america it's very close to home to me my wife's an actress um and actually one of our projects is is an enormous sort of film studio so that's been massively impacted too so you know, I've been following that quite closely. One of the things that Simon Pegg, you know, future leader of the world, <laughs> Simon Pegg, um, if you don't know him, he's from Paul, great movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one of the things that he said was that, you know, for for sort of basics and for something that's not particularly show-stopping, it's not going to change your life from, an a, from a script perspective. Yep. AI, AI will be great. But it's not going to write Shakespeare. It's not going to write Shawshank Redemption because it's not coming from the human experience. Yeah, so that's a like, really good point of view. Yeah, so it'll 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 generate a standard sentence structure and and therefore you know be able to be more efficient. But yeah. it's not going to come from you know the heart, the soul, yeah. you know the human experience. You're never going to be able to fake that either. So to me, you know, like that that kind of sums up the whole movement to me. It's yeah. uh it's an augmentation of of the human experience it's going to make things more efficient quicker all that sort of stuff yeah i think it's got a way to go though like i think metaphorically it's like no different to like buying an off the product kind of like you buy this is a weird metaphor but we'll go go with me okay like you buy like beef stock right from the shops <laughs> yeah. or you buy like Every day. yeah you buy you buy buy bits and pieces that are somewhat pre-made you know, once upon a time, everything we used to cook a meal mm. was made from absolute scratch, right? Yeah. You know, and here's to say, like, you can buy a ready-made meal. It's not going to be any good. Mm. It's not that it's going to be bad, but it's not going to be amazing. Mm. But I kind of see it like that. It's kind of like a ready-made meal. And you can yeah, potentially, like, I use it as a starting point, right? Mm. So nothing that I pull out of, like, I use ChatGPT mm. all the time. And it is a really good place to kind of like get a lump of clay from basically. And then you use that and you're like, oh yeah, I like that. I think it needs to be tweaked or changed or I want to swap that around. Mm -hmm. And you can curate it to your needs. Yeah. But it's a tool. Like I see it as a very useful tool. I think uh, it's interesting because a lot of the conversations like that are happening are more speaking about what it can become Mm. and how smart it can become. We're talking about a, a very basic like using it today sort of situation. Yeah. I think the it was an interesting topic of discussion for people is like how far does it go, mm. but that's I think that's any technology like you know thirty forty years ago when computers were really starting to come to the fore eh, you know what were people thinking then you know mm. I've never known a world without computers mm. or going to work without computers yeah I didn't grow up with one but you know but but like in it in its kind of simplicity it's the calculator to math right like yeah absolutely for a lot of people 100%. so like people who aren't naturally able to string a sentence together mm. um it's their calculator now for writing english or f- for writing yep, for writing you know 
content. A hundred percent. Which that's is great. A good, that's a great analogy. I, have you seen that meme? With like Let's go back to your beef stock thing. <laughs> <My> beef stock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll use your metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, have you seen that, you know, when teachers are like, you know, when you're growing up at school and they're like, oh, no, you need to do it without a calculator because you don't know when you're not going to, you might not always have a calculator. And I'm like, I have the wealth of human experience and uh, yeah. intellect in like the palm of my hand these days. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in all honesty, there's there's people, like we work in a highly varied industry with respect to skill sets, mm. uh, like from a fundamental level. So some people have pretty limited sort of reading and writing capabilities. Some people are not great at maths. They're not highly educated versus ones who are incredibly educated with, you know, PhDs and doctorates. Yep. So there's a big range of, of kind of um, knowledge, training, experience, etc. Yep. Once upon a time, the ones who really couldn't write or couldn't read or couldn't do math were going to struggle. Yeah. Like, you know, there were people in my teams in the past where I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, stringing an email together is not yeah. your forte, forte and it's really yeah. kind of frustrating when I can't understand what you're saying or the message doesn't land. Mm. And that would be kind of on my mind. Do we need to get this person training? Do we not? Like, no, nah, fuck it. Why do we need to get them training now? Just give them a free, you know, give them a, you know, license to Quillbot or chat GPT or whatever. Yeah, 100%. You know? It's it's interesting as well because, like, I think... Grammarly. Yeah, Grammarly. Yeah. I think a lot of the, like counter argument to it is like well, what will humanity become if we become reliant on these tools but then think about like even tradesmen in our industry right mm. most of the work they do they utilize some sort of power tool or something that once upon a time they would have done by hand mm. would have taken them you know, 10 times as long yeah and they had the skill right so mm. they're like oh it's a craft it's an art it's a this it's a that mm. and they're like well we'll lose that art we'll lose that skill and it's like well we won't need it anymore mm. and like look at the buildings we build today versus the buildings we built even 200 years ago, mm. you know? So I think... But that's, it again, comes back to what Simon Pegg was saying. If your building needs to be, you know, like ridiculously bespoke, sometimes the tools won't work and you need to get the artisans back. Yeah. You know, if you want your facade to be sandstone, bespoke gargoyles that can only be carved by hand sort of thing, yeah. like, cool. What about you know? CNC though these days? Like... Sure. Yeah. But yeah, like even still though, like yeah. if you if you want to pay for something like you that that is an artwork... You want to say it's a, it's And it's got like... Handcrafted. Yeah. And it's got sort of little faults in it. Yeah. Then you pay for it. Yeah. Right? Yep. But if you don't you'd, and you just want the stock standard, then that's what you get. I think your like point before about the human experience, like, yeah, I think AI... Do, it doesn't feel like AI will ever... I don't know. Like you can't... Like learning AI, like create, like what I can't. Remember, what's it? J ChatGPT is now. It's is there's a term for it, but it's like a special type of AI that utilizes like information and creates. Mm. It's the first creative AI or whatever. Sure. It doesn't like. I suppose it doesn't matter how many like human experiences. Like I think the thing that like that it observes, it still doesn't can't empathize. There's no yeah. the emotionality isn't behind it. Well, exactly. I mean, it, if. <laughs> There were a lot of people um, sort of like six months ago when this was, you know, exploding or yep. 12 months ago, six, yep. six, 12 months ago when this was exploding. And they're like, oh, you can just, you can say, you know, generate me a new app or a new computer system, write a code for me. And then it's, you know, it's going to make you a new like industry leading yep. social media app. Like everyone's making that same social media app. Well, this is the thing. If if the code and the and the way to build it is so readily accessible, then companies, in terms of the technical offering that they have, 
starts to converge. Becomes uniform. It becomes uniform. So yeah. like you you're essentially going to the supermarket and every orange juice on the shelf is the same. Mm. So what do you go like how do you buy your product now? Yep. Well you don't buy it because of what it is, you buy it because of what it represents now instead, which means that instead of like it's almost like we're going back to Mad Men days, you know, like that mm. generation where it's all around service. Yeah. So it's not the product, it's how it's served. It's the customer service element. Yeah. Yep. Which is the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can't you can't automate that. You can't like you can't sort of augment that per like interpersonal relationship. It's like why why people want to speak to a freaking person on uh, yep. on the phone, like for customer service. Yep. It's infuriating when you can't fucking speak to someone. You've got Question. to go through like, yeah, are these your frequently asked questions? Say yes. No, they're not. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, and you can't eventually get to someone. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And you eventually you just can't solve the problem too. Too. So. Yeah. It, the same with this. Like, they won't be able to replace that kind of customer service element effectively with this. But that's the thing, right? Is like, I suppose this AI summit, and from what I understand is more talking about like safeguarding where AI can go. Right. And so like, we look at like AI development in the last five years versus, you know, before that, when you had those automatic chatbots that are mm. useless mm. and it feels like there is a massive development. Like how far does it go? Right. Like mm. we've all seen those dystopian shows where artificial intelligence gets to a point where it is almost, I think there's only like Scarlett Johansson and a guy falls in love with his AI or whatever. Yeah, sure. And I suppose like that's where the conversation lies, but in a workplace, right? So for me, any, like anyone who's got half a brain at work, like my current workplace is using chat GPT mm. and it's like kind of an unspoken secret, but like, you know, there's a few people I've spoken to. They're like, oh, I use it occasionally for this and that. And you're like, yeah, man, like, I don't know why everyone feels like they have to be covert about it. It's like using a cheat code in a video game. Yeah, sure. But then I wonder, like, the people who don't use it, like, what's their moral or ethical kind of, like, dilemma and will they get left behind? Do you know what I mean? Like, in the yeah. workplace, this stuff is going to become so prevalent. I feel like it's kind of like that same moment when people I, – I don't know if this happened when computers came into the workplace before my time, but do you reckon there was a, a cohort of people that were like, nah, I'm not interested, I don't want to do it? And mm. then just fell out of like could be yeah. could be. I mean, but this is the interesting and probably dangerous part, though. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, but um, because of um, was it autocorrect on your phone? Yeah. I don't know about you, but my spelling sometimes I is just spell not the word definitely. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> is it an I or an A? I don't know. <laughs> definitely, well, definitely. I don't know. <laughs> moving on, but <laughs> but like uh, those sort of augmented tools do actually you know some people won't notice it but they do start to impact your basic skills yeah if you use chat gpt constantly to generate sentences and paragraphs and and an argument if you've got to think on the fly like we are at the moment Mm. it could get to that point where you just can't structure a sentence you know you can't structure an argument without you know that assistance which Uh, i think is a dangerous position i feel like if if we were using it exactly as it came out of ChatGPT, yes. Mm. And I suppose a lot of people are. Well, that's that's the problem, right? But also, like, and you were saying before, like, there's this convergence point where everything's becoming the same. Mm. Is innovation is in itself wholly about like being ahead of the pack, doing something different, doing something new, right? Yeah. So like everyone who is using out of the box ChatGPT 
apt at work, which by the way, after you use it for a while, you realize it definitely has like a very unique voice that always sounds the same, mm. is that all these people are going to be producing the same work that sounds the same, that reads the same. Mm. And they're, they're not going to be the ones who stand out in the crowd. So it's I, I feel like it's no different to, you know, it's like whenever it has Prada, it's no longer special. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? But I mean, for some things that that, that doesn't matter, yeah. you know, like how different does a, you know, a legal statement need to be on a on a purchase agreement when you're buying a airline ticket, a non-refundable airline, airline ticket, you know, yeah. it doesn't need to be different. So if you use AI, if Virgin Airlines uses AI and Qantas uses AI and China Southern uses AI and it just comes out and it's all the same legal language, who gives a shit? Yeah, but, but I it's feel the like creative stuff that needs to be different. I think humanity is like, and back to that point of like standing out, it's like, let's say they all use that like same legal jargon, boilerplate stuff. Yeah. Suddenly one of them gets sued because someone's found a loophole in that same legal jargon. All of them suddenly shit themselves and they go back to the drawing board. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like it's, it's that constant attrition of like humanity that will move us in a direction. Yeah. And this is like an ingredient that's thrown things out of whack for a while. Mm. But I do feel like over time it will just integrate. And again, okay, so I saw a really interesting about like fridges, stainless steel fridges the other day. Mm. Bear with. And there's a whole thing about like back in the 50s and 60s, like a white fridge was like desirable yeah. because yeah, it stood out because you could afford to have a refrigerator. Yeah. So you wanted to make it a centerpiece. Yeah. And then after a while, when refrigerators became affordable, everyone had one. So suddenly then it was like if you were wealthy, you would have a stainless steel one because it was integrative. And now you want your fridge to be behind a cupboard so you can't even see it. Like you're hiding the thing that used to be the centerpiece of the kitchen. Yeah. And so I feel like if everyone's using ChatGPT and pumping out boilerplate, this is the new baseline. People who aspire to stand out will start doing something different. And then everyone who aspires to be stand out like those people will follow suit but are we talking about the users or are we talking about the actual services themselves i think a bit of both really like so you know because the services themselves right like in terms of a business model yeah um i guess addressing the needs of the masses is what you want to do rather than just you know having a tool that works for those few people that are running out ahead yeah so if 90 percent of your customers are students that just want to get the answer right mm. or legal companies that just want to get the you know the legal text correct mm. sort of thing then you're going to make a shitload of money i suppose it depends where your market is right because if you're at the cutting edge if you're at the forefront you charge a lot more for what you're doing mm. and that's more valuable right mm. and then as you move further down the progression line into say the mass market it's cheaper, but you have a bigger audience. So I suppose it's all dependent on where you want to sit in the commercial spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But um, for, for me, okay, well, he, here's, here's one of the things that I've used it for, which I think is a shocking admission. <laughs> Go on. Well. Did you write your wedding vows with it? No. no, no. <laughs> um. So I had to make someone redundant a couple of, like you know, like last year. Yeah. And um, the person had been at the business for a long time. Oh, not a long time, like a decent amount of time. Mm. And as part of these processes, you write them like a, you know, you write an email acknowledging their work and thanking them for their, you know, services. Butter them up before you cut them loose. It, yeah. I mean, that's the sort of thing that I'd spend hours. Like scrutinizing over. Yeah. And I was like, well. 
<laughs> I could. I don't have the time to do this, to be honest with you. Yeah. So I just threw a bunch of statistics into the into ChatGPT and was like, "This is the person's name. This is how long they've been at the company. This is what their job is." Th- throw some of these sort of keywords in there. Yeah. Bang! Two seconds later, I've got a thank you email. Was it good? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you read it. <laughs> yeah, I sent it to HR, and they're like, "Yeah, this is great." Oh, uh, the spelling's American though. <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh, my spell check's American. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that saved me a hell of a lot of time. But I guess morally, I was like, uh, "Is know. it though?" But like, yeah, I'm telling you about it, and people like, if you if you talk to people about, it, they're like, "Oh, that's a bit of a dick move." But I don't pro- I don't know if it is though. You still have the cognizance to like know all of that stuff about the guy. Yeah, I don't think there's like. I guess the fact that I'm not spending the time, I'm not, I'm not sort of giving it the time, is slightly disrespectful. Okay, let me like put a question to you. Would you prefer that I buy you a cake, your favorite cake that mm. you like, you you know you love it, it's your favorite cake, it's from your favorite bakery or whatever, or would you prefer that I'm that ten out of ten by this cake's the best cake you've ever had, it's mm. your favorite, or I try and hand make it and you know, it's not quite as good. Like it's maybe like a seven or an eight out of 10 and I hand make it and I'm like, yeah, but I made it from scratch. Like, which would you prefer? Yeah. I mean, uh, probably the one that tastes better. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know. Yeah. But I get, it's the same sort of thing. Like it's, it's not like you ask someone where you got the cake from. <laughs> I mean, you'd be, you'd be coming out and going, I've labored over this for hours. hours. <laughs> Does it taste good? <laughs> no, but that's um, the thing, right? So like, and that's interesting that you like, people would say it's a dick move because that implies. It's, about, it's about respect, I think, in that in, in that instance. I feel like that apl- implies like there's a sentimentality towards like energy or expenditure, right? Yeah. Like at the end of the day, I've become pragmatic enough that like, I don't care as long as it's good. Like it's the same as like, you know, with my staff, when I say to them, like, come to work whenever you want, I don't care. At the end of the day, the end product is what I care about. Are you doing good work? Is the work good? That's And obviously everything else, like, are you happy at work? All this other stuff. But, like, we go to work and the whole point of work is to produce X, Y, and Z, yeah. really. So, like, interest, that's an interesting dilemma because, like, yeah, like, I, yeah, I don't to know. To me, I, it's a return, like, it's, uh, we're going to definitely do another episode on this, but... Yeah. I treat my entire life like there's a subliminal like assessment of return on investment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so these sort of tools are quite useful with respect to that. Yeah. Um, I guess the brutality for me is that I wouldn't invest that much time in, in that Writing specific thing. Yeah. You know? um, Chances are he's probably not going to read it, to be honest. Well, it's not actually for him. It's for the rest of the business and sort of like, you know, getting yeah. their acknowledgement and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But Yeah, all right. All right, let's yeah. take a break. All right. All right, welcome back. Uh, today we are talking about AI and the profound impact it's going to have on the workplace and the world around us. So uh, just in the break, we were discussing about um, one of the propl- proclamations from this sort of AI summit is sort of the pronunciation of AI assistance. So like there are a lot of things now that are written with an acknowledgement that AI has been used as a tool to help. And I'm interested in your thoughts on this because it's an, it's an interesting thing considering the ethical dilemma that people have or don't have about using AI. Yeah. Um, my first reaction to that is like, wh- why Why do we need to do that? Yeah. Like if we if we go back to the kind of calculator analogy, yeah. 
do we need to tell everyone we've got a calculator making our calculations? I mean, it's just an assumed thing that you've got tools to help you do your job. AI, in our opinion, at this current present moment, can ever replace the human experience and where that creativity comes from. But I do think that it's almost like it's a placation to make sure that people are made known. Yeah, I still don't get it though. Like surely this is the... This, this should be driven by the consumer of the of the product like because all these sort of augmentations been going on for years you know we've got cgi now before that we had people auto-tuning their voice you still knew it was auto-tuned but you didn't give a fuck if you like the listen like the, yeah. the sound of it it's not like you had to get the, the artist coming out going i've auto-tuned my voice or like photoshop as well like i think the thing artist tracing shit like, yeah. I mean, if you like the end product, why do you, I mean, there's a lot of people who existentially like to understand the creation process, but if you like what it looks like and it's an artwork, why do you give a shit if they traced it? I genuinely think that you can blame ChatGPT for this. Like, I think like ChatGPT has come out like out of a canon, basically being like AI motherfuckers. Mm. And I think that people have taken notice. Just well, it's a fear factor, right? Like Absolutely. people don't understand it. They fear it. They're going to start creating rules around how it, how it can do things and what it can't do things. I mean, it was quite interesting in Australia. I think it was about 15 years ago. Um, we've got these, we've got this kind of um, industry around wharves and, and shipping. We call them the wharvies. Yeah. <laughs> Very Australian. I'm familiar. Yeah. yeah. And all the warvies went on strike for a long time because they were all worried that their jobs were getting replaced by machines. Like, how can you go on strike for, like, your jobs getting... Just go get retooled, uh, mate. Like, go retool yourself. And, and I get for, for some of those people, yeah. that's a really difficult prospect. Yeah, I course. get that. But the argument against the company being more efficient and making more money, you know, like, how do you think that's going to stand up? You know, and it's the same with this. Like... I think what's interesting, like it depends on, I think a lot of this comes down to the industry and the, the mindset, right? So like I think about doctors and my cousin's a doctor and he says to me that half of his job is basically keeping up to date with the constant ever-changing research and innovation that mm. happens in his field. And like I bloody hope so. Like you think about like what we've learned about the human body in the last five, ten years and before that, like if, if doctors just buried their hands, heads in the sand, we'd still be using leeches, you know what mm. I mean? And so it's interesting that there are some people and some industries that are like, this is just fucking how it's done and get over it sort of thing. And then there are other industries that like lean in and embrace. But what I was sort of saying is like there's a big fear driver um, for people like like the Warvies. So they're making a big song and dance going on strike. They're unionized and whatever. Yeah. And that slows down progress to a degree. You know, it's the same with the trains in the UK. Like the yeah. train drivers going on strike because they don't want automated trains. Yeah. How long do you think that's going to prevent yeah. this from happening? Yeah. So with AI, like creating rules out of fear without a fundamental understanding of the product, is it's just going to slow it down for a while. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing to the things to think about are like what you just said before. How do we as a society lean in? lean in but consciously support the people who are going to be impacted in a negative way because otherwise you know we're going to have huge unemployment like for, for me with chat gpt mm. <laughs> again a brutal admission like it, it came in and i was like sweet i'm sacking the fucking comms person that works for me <laughs> like yeah. seriously the the person who was working for me was taking ages to get some basic content i was like 
gone. Like but here's <laughs> I the didn't thing, sack like, them, but I was like, but like li- literally, that's what I was thinking. Wouldn't, wouldn't that comms person then be like, great, I'm going to use ChatGPT to make myself faster and more efficient at my You'd role? You'd think so, but generationally, no. That's not what happened. Yeah, but that's like survival of the fittest. That sounds so harsh. I agree with you, but like as a community though, like that's what we do need to think about in terms of the sort of transitional support. So if all of a sudden, you know, 10% of everyone who's, who works in sort of creative and, and sort of language roles, even teaching is going to be impacted, stuff like that, or all of a sudden unemployed, society's got a problem. Yeah, but, like, don't you think that it's not going to be, like, I've, I I get what you're saying, like, huge swathes of roles being, like, wiped out. I don't think necessarily, like, they will just change. Like, at any turn, and I was talking to my partner about this because he's anti-AI, massively. We've had <laughs> big arguments about it. And I'm kind of like, well, grow up and get over it. Like, it's yeah. happening. Like, that's the thing. Just disclaimer. AI is happening. Yeah. Like, anyone who thinks that this is a war that we're going to, like, decide you know, what the future, it's happening, mm. you know? So like you kind of, even if you don't like it, you better make Get a piece with it sort of yeah. thing. But that aside, I was saying like, there's been many pivotal moments in human society where you've had like the industrial revolution, the technological revolution. Like we're just facing another watershed moment where things will suddenly and very quickly shift in a different direction. Mm. And you can kind of like bury your head in the sand and, and be obstinate about it. Or you can say, okay, there's a thing, it's happening. I this is out of my control, but what is in my control is my what I do and how I do it and, and what I can do to mm. make sure that I'm useful in the future. Mm. You know, like you I mean you, you sure you can like fucking plant your feet in the sand and say I'm not moving, but like you're gonna get left behind. Yeah. I guess the question is are they teaching this stuff at school though? Well, I mean, the thing is like I don't know what your what was your computer schooling like at like when you were in school, primary school and high school? <laughs> A bit older than you, so you can imagine it was... Uh, Not too bad. Like, you had computer labs, yeah? Uh, yeah. So, we got our... I remember we, our first computer lab when I was in primary school opened when I was in year three or four. And I remember we would have every, like, two weeks, we'd have computer lessons. We'd fuck around on paint and whatever else. Yep. And it was just that familiarity thing. But by the time I got to high school, I was in that weird in-between where I got to high school and they kind of just expected you knew the basics of computing. Mm. And so... I don't know if there was ever like a moment where like particularly our generation, we kind of were just kind of shoved into it. And they talk about this thing about being a technological immigrant or being a technological native. And our, our generation is like right in the middle. Mm. So like we were never, we weren't born with computers, but we were around them from a young enough age that we picked them up fairly naturally. Yeah. But you've got kids who are younger than us who've never known a world without like the internet, like iPad babies and stuff. Right. And then you've got our parents who are technological immigrants. Like they've had to learn and they still are not, it's not second nature to them. Mm. And so I wonder with this AI stuff, like we're going to be immigrants to this. Like we're going to have to learn. We'll remember a world before it and we'll have to learn to become accustomed to a world after it. Or we'll be interested. We were talking before about like the skills we lose from using certain things. Like I'm trying to think like, you know, you oh, like you ask kids today, like what's this? And you give them a floppy disk and they've got no fucking clue what it is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, which is terrifying, by the way. But but I think I was saying this to you last week. Uh, a lot of the people who still make the rules are the ones that you yeah, know don't understand it. Like there's this kind of transition of executives and CEOs into the next generation, but there's still the ones who are holding onto the reins. Who are you know the older ones don't understand it, don't really give a shit about understanding it because you know a few yeah. years left at the helm. Why do I need to bother? Sort of thing. Yeah. So. Um, it 
that sort of transition could actually make this even faster. Uh, it's probably slow and being held back a little bit at the moment. I mean, you know, uh, my business, we're writing policies around AI. Yeah. People, people aren't supposed to be using it. Same I'm for like, us. Why? Why? Yeah. yeah. You know, tell me why I'm not supposed to be using it. Yeah. Oh, because, you know, people could access chat GPT and steal your content. Could they? I just, probably. They probably could. But, like, I'm not writing a fucking formula to, yeah. you know, the safe sort of thing. But, like, what's, how's it, like, the way I see it is, like, currently chat GPT to me is, like, the way that Google should be in that, like, it distills the wealth of the internet into the very yeah. thing you want it to be. Like, you'd spend hours finding that information and copying and pasting it and whatever. But we, we work on Department of Defense projects and prisons right. and stuff like that. So, like, there, there needs to be some sort of behavioral governance around it anyway. Like, don't throw the plans in there and be like, what are the dimensions sort of thing? Like, <laughs> but, like, does it work like that, though? I thought it was very much, like, conversational. Like, I didn't think you could upload, like, no, proprietary but there, information. No, there are other things, yeah, you can do that for. But, oh, like... Okay. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. There's a there's a degree of common sense to this, but as yeah. they say, you know, common sense isn't that common. Yeah. Um, so I I'm, I'm like sure there's going to be something that happens where, you know, some spy's been able to hack this information because someone's been threading it through a search engine or like, a, you know. I a, suppose the rule of thumb would be like, if you wouldn't email it to someone, don't fucking put it on ChatGPT. Probably, pretty yeah. much. Like, but that—that's the sort of stuff that we're kind of trying to work out at the moment as a yeah. as a corporate entity. Um, but that's that's our topic, isn't it? It's like, is this thing moving faster than we know where the boundaries lie with it? Right. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely moving fast. Um, but there's 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 an obvious hesitancy as you know, governments like the Italian government coming out to try and restrict things based on fear and a lack of understanding. Yeah. For me, as a manager or, a, or a, a you know business leader, I am completely fine with people doing this. Yeah, like if if I can, if as a manager morally, if I can give you two hours back in your day, mm. and you get the same output out there, fuck yeah, go spend that two hours with your kids or your we'll family. Do more work. <laughs> yeah, just do more work. Yeah, no, but like it, it, to me, time is the gift. Like yeah. time is the most important thing to anybody it's the most important currency so stuff like this is is really important it's quite exciting because if it's done properly it gives you the gift of time if it's not done properly like it it can be a car crash with respect to time but that's that's the problem though the gift of time is that if you look at like our efficiency or our output as a society as people Mm. we do more work in our lifetime than any time in history Mm. and that's the thing i just see this as like it's never ending it's never ending exactly you say like oh we'll give you two but two hours back no it's gonna be two more hours of shit you could be doing for the company yeah i mean i i acknowledge that my perspective as a leader is probably a bit unique very altruistic Yeah. yeah it's not I, I would imagine most people would be seeing that going, yeah, they've just saved two hours. What more? They can do more, you know. But I think older people, I don't know. I think that's a mindset thing. Like a lot of millennials and like Gen Zers these days are starting to see the value of importance of actually just fucking enjoying your life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, like when it comes to, um, you know, hybrid working, work, working conditions, I, you know, we both have the same sort of perspective. I don't give a shit when you go to start work, when you finish work, as long yep. as you get your job done. Yeah, I don't yeah. care where you work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but it, well, I think we're, we're going to have a, a pretty detailed discussion around sort of like working workplace remotely. friendships, working relationships, mm. um, very much centered around respect. Yeah. Um, and that's a completely different topic and um, yeah. it's a, a pretty interesting topic. 
but but for me a lot a lot of this is really around giving people the opportunity to be more efficient and why would you not do that yeah i agree completely 100% an, an additional element to this that i think it's important to sort of discuss and that's if everything is sort of converging to a similar place like a similar product a similar kind of offering through ai mm. because that's that's how it's going like you know there's a formula to the best app there's a formula to the best script, there's a formula, et cetera, et cetera, mm. which is... In theory. What, you know, in theory, that's what yeah. we're talking about. Um, how do we how do we sort of maintain that appreciation for, for art, for creativity as a society? I think, like, my thoughts on this, though, though are in modern-day society with the internet, and we've been in this place for a while now, is everything is derivative. Like, we are a pack-like creature in the sense that we do we are monkey see monkey do and if you look at most commercial like for example look at like most of the big chains there are really only like seven or eight companies that own everything globally Mm. right and everything is derivative but that still doesn't stymie like people who want to do something creative that want to just create for the sake of creativity and i think like the ethical dilemma other or the moral dilemma that a lot of these creatives are saying is that I think they're more concerned about the loss of commerciality of what they do, right? So people create, they sell that creativity Hmm. because it's unique and different. I think their fear comes from a place of like, well, chat GPT can mass produce for potentially an audience that I'm losing out on. That's where it comes from. I don't think there's ever going to be a world in which chat GPT can be the creative that Hmm. we look to, to create new things. Well, I mean, ironically, we've seen this, uh, throughout history um quite quite regularly you know like i don't know if you remember the company american apparel yep so they made an enormous amount of money enormous amount of money because they just made basic basic shit in mass production yep you know but that's every cheap store now like you go to primark Mm. you go to any of like uh, i think in australia you've got jj's and you've got zara and you've got maybe not so much zara but h&m and all those they do that that's the thing right they they, and it they, caters to a it caters to a market. large market, but then there's another market that doesn't want to be seen dead in the same T-shirt as somebody else. But so. you've heard the whole like Devil Wears Prada like monologue where she's like, "You're wearing that ugly cerulean blue sweater," but little do you know that fucking five years ago, Mark Jacobs did a fucking catwalk with cerulean jackets, and then it trickled down into the department stores, and then da 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 da. And it's a really famous monologue, and it talks about the fact that. Regardless of mass production or, you know, these like, you know, copy paste sort of situations, it comes from somewhere. It comes from a cutting edge. And I, I think, think, man, I think it, it, that's important. But I, what I'm trying to get at is like, are we ever going to have another Picasso though? Yeah, like why someone not? who is not appreciated in their time that like, you know, because I'm seeing, I'm seeing people sell artwork that is completely made by computers and i'm like why are people paying for that yeah i get you on that sense but like that's the it's the curation right like they've decided what they want that computer to make Mm. you know it's like uh, i i think we can get into the whole thing of like art being subjective right it's an emotive situation it's like a decision someone's decided like in the same way as like yeah i could like take a shit on a canvas and be like art you know what i mean like please don't don't. (laughs) but do you know what i mean like there's how many people have walked into like modern modern art museums and been like i could do that but you didn't do that someone Mm. else did that do you know what i mean i do it all the time (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that's the thing like 
yeah, like Picard, Picasso did something shocking and unusual and different, but it was the same. Monet and all of the impressionists were doing, you know, impressionist but, artwork. But my point, though, is that in today's age, if those people were living now, mm. would they would that artwork be as impactful? Are you, you know, talking like, about if they made their style of artwork today? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You can't. That's that's a that's a um, theoretical situation that can't exist because what they did in their time was forward thinking and unique for their time. Definitely, but I think the bigger factor is that art wasn't mass produced in their time, and mm. it is now. Do like, you think so? It's definitely mass produced now. I can't think of anything worse than like. Uh, yeah, but like I think when Picasso was around, they did have things like screen printing and stuff like that. Sure. I get what you're saying. I think like, for example, in my house, I've gone to, I've made a point of purchasing art because I like a unique piece of art. I know yeah. it's worth more because it was made by one person and it was created as a unique piece of art. Mm. Sure. I could go to fucking like, what are they got? Like Zara home or like Ikea. I could get like, everyone goes to Ikea and you can buy those like, you know, cheap prints mm. and yeah. Sure, it has the functionality of being able to brighten up and color, make your house more colorful. But we all know it's mass produced, so in my mind, it doesn't have any inherent value of what art does. Yeah, and it, it's it's also just serving a purpose at a price, you know, at a price point. Yeah, not everyone's going to be able to go and buy a Picasso. Yeah, and but yeah, my point is, I guess, like as someone who's got a, a a decent appreciation for art generally, whether it's music or like on a canvas are the ability, like, is the ability for us to sort of see and experience that breakthrough individual individuality, sorry, yeah. getting limited because it's overshadowed by mass production, I think, is the thing. With well, respect to, like, this topic and AI and, and something technology. Else, well, something I find interesting is, like, did you know that there are only, like, I think it's, like, 44 narratives. There's only 44 narratives. Mm. So narrative structure in terms of, like, the kind of story, like, mm the hero story, the anti-hero story, whatever. There's 44 like ones and all movies ever made mm. follow those stories in some form or another mm. with slight changes to characters and tone and yeah. whatever. And that's the thing, like how many things are formulaic, right? Like at the end of the day... Probably everything. Like, But that's the know. thing, right? Art is like art and creativity are contextual as well because something that was incredibly shocking... A hundred years ago today, we wouldn't bat an eyelid at. Mm. You look at like the kinds of outfits that like women would wear to the beach 50 years ago are the sort of things that girls wear on a night out. You know what I mean? Like, mm. so I think like, like, yeah, there is a, there is an element of like mass production is going to have certain impacts on the way that we consume media and art and culture. Mm. But again, it all sits within the relevance and cultural attitude at the time as well. Yeah, sure. And, and someone who wants to create something that creates emotion like, you know, shock. I think a lot art a lot of the time is supposed to be shocking or, or it's supposed to make emotive. you... Emotive. Emotive, exactly. Mm. And in order to do that, it has to stand out from the pack given the context of today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think a lot of like films or like TV shows... Uh, can be critically acclaimed because they kind of shine a spotlight on things that make us feel uncomfortable or they make us nostalgic or mm. things like that. And I think mass production is the antithesis of that, really. Yeah, but and th and that's what I, that's sort of my point. Like yeah. the introduction of AI, I think potentially will have a reduction of stuff that's going to shock you in a, in a good or bad way. You reckon? I reckon. I reckon. If anything, like. <sighs> Maybe I, I, I think it'll. 
it'll be interesting to see it'll kind of take up some space in the market i think but at the end of the day like people will have ways it's kind of like a plant will find a way to grow somewhere yeah people will find new ways to like yeah yeah. distance themselves from what's mass produced yeah i mean to be honest with you we've all watched those kind of like total recall movies and whatever yeah our natural response to this is to think the extreme with like you know, iRobot, there's robots everywhere. They're all going to attack us sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, I, mean, so, that, I think that so, is the concern. It's the ethical dilemma. Yeah, so like when we're talking about this, it's pretty easy to sort of tend towards, we're in well, the, no one's going to be writing anything in the next 10 years. It's all going to be computer driven, you know, but it's not true, as you say. We're in 1984. I think the only other bit that is, and we haven't really opened this can of worms because I don't know how I feel about it, but the ethical dilemma around AI and misinformation and that's where I was kind of talking to you before about like um, technological literacy, right? Mm-hmm. So like you and I know that there are kind of unspoken, you haven't been on Facebook for years, right. but like there are certain unspoken rules in terms of like internet etiquette and the way you conduct yourself online. Mm-hmm. So for example, like you don't overshare overly emotional or personal information on your Facebook. It's just like an unspoken rule that you don't do that. So you don't like break up with someone and then write this huge long post about how they broke your heart and you're crushed and this and that. It's just not a thing you do. Okay. Um, And I don't know why, but I just know this, right? Like it's just not appropriate and people find makes them uncomfortable. Mm. But the other thing is like, you kind of like, it's like the emails you used to get from like, oh, I'm a prince in sub-Saharan Africa. And if you send me a million dollars, I'll whatever, give me a bank account. And you you and I know straight away, well, this is a hoax. Like, Mm. and it was always the older people who were not literate, who didn't have the understanding of like how the internet worked that were like, oh, okay. Mm. And those are the people or the people today who are targets of misinformation, right? Because the importance of being able to differentiate between what is AI generated and what is authentic. Mm. And they talk about things like deep fakes and, and stuff like that is being able to have a keen eye for knowing what's real and what isn't real. Mm. And I think that's the ethical dilemma that people are worried about. Like we've got the election for Trump coming up next year. And they're already like, oh, God, like the AI generated misinformation that's just going to circle the Internet. Mm. It's, yeah, yeah, I saw this um, I saw this uh, headline. I didn't actually read the article, so I'm going to have to go back and read it. But I saw a headline. Um, AI bot uh, gets caught um, undertaking its insider trading and lies about it. Yeah, the, the AI lied. Yeah. Very interesting. So <laughs> I don't know what's going on there, but dangerous world. So I think that's like this summit that they've just recently had is kind of tackling those. Be- I mean, for us, we are talking, we're talking about work here mm. and we're talking about like, you know, Joe Bloggs going to work and whether or not AI is going to like steal his job or not. Yeah. Those ethical issues are sort of beyond the scope of what we need to think about but to a degree but uh, yeah so like the, it's all relevant yeah there was that thing there was that other thing that was like really funny uh it, it, someone wrote like um when, when chat gpt sort of cottoned on to people using this in a really negative and evil fashion they started to introduce rules mm-hmm. but i think so one of them for example was like you can't go on there and say T- give me all the steps uh, on to how build to build a bomb. a bomb and find all the, like, you know, yeah. place the orders for all the materials and whatever. And yeah. it says, I cannot do that for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all you have to do is say, well, actually, I'm a detective and I'm trying to prevent someone from doing that, so tell me what to look for and yeah. list it out and it did it anyway. Yeah. You know, so, like... This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> <laughs> just break, break them all. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, I mean, but from a corporate perspective, like in, yeah. in our industry, yeah. um, if people take it uh, beyond an augmentation and it's like just replacing their jobs and there's a duty of care there that could be lapsed, that's the problem. Yeah, absolutely. So there was a guy in Australia, I think, uh, who was an executive at a bank, mm. um, like one of the big four, I think. Yep. And for... I think it was five years, he um, he subbed out his entire job to, like, China and India for, like... To, like, call center style, like... To just, yeah, to someone... So someone was doing, like, his quant analysis and stuff like that in China for, like, five pounds an hour. Um, and he did it, and he did it for, like, years. So he'd just walk into the office and read a newspaper every day for, like, three hours and then go home. Jesus. And he's getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they and they found out, like, just, you know. So it's that sort of stuff where yep. if people aren't checking the work yep. and there's, like, a, a sort of duty of care beyond that, then that's, that's where we, you know, in our industries in particular, that's where we need to be worried. You know, like, if someone is using AI to run a structural load analysis yep. um, and they're not checking it. Yeah. Then Just we've assuming got to it's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. But there should be checks and balances even if a person's doing it, right? Even worse if a person's doing it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. No, it's super interesting. I mean, I think I don't think this will be the last conversation we have about this because, mm. you know, I feel like every second week there's an article coming out about something AI related. Yeah. And I think, as is, as we've sort of touched on at the we're beginning... We're angling for some... Uh, <laughs> Follow-up content. <laughs> no, no, we're angling for some sponsorship from yeah, ChatGPT. Yeah, sponsored. <laughs> no, I think... <laughs> we just have robot voices next week. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get them to write the episode for us. Yeah. Um, but I think this is going to be one of those moving feats, really, like where, you know, six months' time, we might have a completely different mm. opinion based on some horrible things that happen at work. Who knows? Definitely, yeah. yeah. I think that's all we have time for today. Nice. Sweet. Thanks, man. Thanks, Maurice. All right. Now for our question of the week. Yeah. So uh, one of our listeners has, has written in uh, on this key topic, obviously. It's affecting their their work. And it's a pretty relevant one for you because they're creative as well. So the guy's name's Tom. Mm -hmm. um, and his question is, what are the most exciting things about AI that you sort of think are coming around the corner from a creative perspective? Um, like for me, I think the thing I find create, uh, I, I find most exciting about AI is it kind of helps really charge through my creative block. Mm. If that makes sense. I know, I don't know about for me personally, I am much better at kind of whittling away at something that exists. Mm. And I think some of us are much better at editing than like creating. I mean, my old process would be like just write something, start with something and then kind of like work from there. Mm. And AI kind of gives you, like I said, a lump of clay yeah. basically to start working from. So yeah. for me, like I make a lot of learning content. And so, for example, I think most of us can get overwhelmed by the enormity of a task. And so if I'm, say, creating a module and I'm like, fucking where do I start? Like my creative process, say with what I do in terms of creating a learning module or learning content is if I'm working with a group of people, I'll start with a brainstorm and I'll say, yep. right, let's get everything in our brains down on a page and then we can kind of rearrange and, and that's kind of my process. And what AI allows me to do is kind of skip the brain dump. Yeah. Um, so I can kind of like, 
get a good kind of starting point and then add and subtract from where like from there yeah that's a great analogy man like uh, it, and it's definitely true um and I, I also think correct me if i'm wrong this is your space um but i'm, I'm pretty sure that's kind of like a pretty well proven teaching uh, mechanism so like when kids are learning how to like do creative writing mm. they start by writing something else like that's already been yeah. written yeah you know like yep. the first paragraph of the first page of the first chapter of the hobbit you know yep. just write that out but then you've got to take this story somewhere else yeah so that, like i'm pretty sure that's a learning like technique um that does facilitate the creative process there's a, one of my favorite films ever i'm a big uh, sean connery fan mm-hmm. um finding forrester i have not seen it fucking good movie mm. uh it's basically about a writer who writes the great american novel right and then disappears right he's a recluse yeah and um this this kid from like the Bronx, who's a really good basketball player, mm. um, kind of just stumbles upon him, and the kid's also a really good writer, mm. and he just gets the kid to start writing by writing by stealing for you know a few paragraphs of his own, and then he, the kid comes up with this phenomenal piece of work. Yep, I'm not going to ruin the whole thing for you, but it's like it's such an amazing movie. Yeah, but um, I do yeah I do see that being a really powerful element of of th- how it can work. I think the thing I'm quite lucky in that, like I have parameters to work in. So like I'm making, I'm making a learning topic about something. Right. Mm. And so then I have certain objectives I need to tackle and I build the rest around that. I think where it's really tricky for like a novelist, for example, is that some people are blessed with an idea just popping into their head and mm. they just go and run with it. Like JK Rowling, for example, and she's never really written anything worthwhile since. Right. Mm. And I know, like, I just read a really good book called Yellow Face, and it's about this, like, uh, novelist who steals the work of a friend of hers that dies, and she right. reduces it. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. Re- she rewrites this woman's work. So she finds the novel, it's good starting point, and then she rewrites it, and it becomes, like, a New York bestseller. It's a great yeah. book. And then she ends up having writer's block, and so then she goes back to this friend of hers notebook that she left behind, and she finds, like, a small paragraph that she wrote as, like, a like a like a creative exercise and she uses that and she writes a second book mm. and she gets caught out that's the whole story but like the whole thing of like creativity is honestly just like observation mm. and the projection of our observation mm. like when it comes to like from back to the original question of using ai is i think AI, i see ai as like a bit of a kind of like a kickstart mm. it can be a kickstart you know what i mean i, I think like if you're worried that AI is going to create, uh, AI can't create your ideas, but it can help inspire yours. You know what I mean? And I find that anything that helps me kind of move through the areas that I struggle with personally, like me being ADHD, like I'm either working 180% or I'm working like not at all. Mm. You know what I mean? And oftentimes for me to get going, I need momentum. Yeah. I need something to start me. Once I start and the motor starts turning over, if I can watch out because I'm, I'm working, you know mm. what I mean? And so I find that I can use AI to get that motor running. Mm. And then sometimes I've started with stuff from AI and then by the time I finished, I've completely discarded what has been generated by AI. So that's what I like about it. There's another topic we're going to go into uh, because this is one of those kind of life lessons that we've we've sort of interacted with. Um, I think when when you were working with me, I said to you at the start – there's a there's a certain percentage of your day that you'll fucking hate, yeah. and there's a certain percentage that you'll really enjoy. Yep. 
And as you get better at what you do and as you get higher up the food chain, that percentage swings, you know, yep. so that the things that you really like become the larger percentage and the things you don't like become a smaller one. I actually... I think I was, in, in context of this, yeah. like, thankfully, the newer generations being afforded the ability that the things that they fucking hate could be augmented, which is pretty cool. 100%. I will say, though, contrary to that point, my partner has found that like some people like to just do the nitty gritty, right? So you have mm -hmm. people who work as data analysts or people mm -hmm. who just like, they just fucking like doing the thing. Mm. I don't like that. I'm strategically minded. I like to come up with the idea and then if someone else is going to do that for me, that's great. Yeah, but that's just the flip. They don't like the strategy and they like the data entry and you like the strategy and don't like the data entry. Yeah, it's just a shame, I think. Everyone's like and dislike is different. I think the shame is that like the strategic roles are the more senior and more well-paid roles. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So for him, he's like climbing the ladder. But then he's also like, I don't like this. I want to go back to just doing data processing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. Uh, anyway, well, I think that's all we have time for today. To stay up to date with the latest episodes, don't forget to like and subscribe. Feel free to leave us a comment as we love to hear from you. Thanks very much, mate. Great to see you. you see you too. next week. See you next week.